When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take the questions of the day and answer them however I can. It's good to be with you today. I'm broadcasting live from Camp Allen, our diocesan camp, the Diocese of Texas camp in piney woods of Navasota, Texas, here for a week, getting some writing done and some learning and some praying. Do not be afraid, for there are more of us than there are with them. Don't be afraid. This message that comes to us constantly in the Bible is there for a reason, because we are afraid. We have all kinds of fears. We have fears that are real and fears that are not real. Like uh, Mark Twain said, I've been terrified of many things in my life, some of which actually happened. Uh, Anxiety is often distinguished from fear in that it doesn't always have a fixed point of reference. Fear is very concrete. Like there's a bear chasing me, I'm afraid of the bear. Anxiety is different. You're never really sure what you're afraid of, but you have those symptoms of fear, feelings of fear, feelings of dis-ease, like everything's not okay. And so the message comes to these besieged people, this king of Israel and his few soldiers. Don't be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. The chariots have surrounded the city. Elisha has, uh, is the only one they have. One guy. What is he going to do against this horde? Well, he's going to do what he's done all along, and that is trust God. That the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be there for him. We know from this earlier miracle with the sons of the prophets, or the company of prophets, uh, We don't know who these folks are. They show up a couple times in the Old Testament, the sons of the prophets. They are either some kind of school or college or seminary of prophets, or they are just a commune of prophets. Hard to know what they are doing, but it seems like they're learning something. They're together in community. This may have come out of the persecutions where the prophets had to live together in the caves, all 50 of them in one cave and 50 of them in another. And we would imagine there were other caves where prophets were hiding as well. So maybe they just kind of liked living together after that experience and said, hey, let's keep, let's stay together. Let's um, live in community. I don't know if it came out of the cave or existed before that, but they're trying to build a new house. And while they're building a new house, the ax head that they're using to chop the wood goes flying off. This was a common problem in the ancient world, and, not, not, not a, and it was a common problem not long ago in our world. Um, many times axe heads have flown off. Uh, most, most notably in the Bible, during, in the story and the law of what to do when someone accidentally is killed, um, if some, two men are chopping wood in the woods and one of the axe heads falls off and hits the other one, what do you do? Um, the cities of refuge are designed to accommodate this kind of trauma. 
if someone dies accidentally with no witnesses and he comes running out of the woods and says the axe head fell off and hit him and he died, who's to believe him? Um, Do we really believe him? So there's a trial. But in the meantime, the person that was chopping the wood whose axe head flew off has to run to a city of refuge and live there for the rest of his life um, until the high priest dies. Um, That's another way to get out of the city of refuge or to just stay there for the rest of your life um, in the case of accidental killings. This was a provision God had made for God's people in the wilderness and in the new promised land. And so that's the other place the axe head flies off in the Bible. But here in this story, the axe head flies off, it goes into the water, and they lament. The, the, the school of the prophets or the company of prophets are poor. They don't have a lot of stuff. They don't even have their own axe. In a world where you had to pretty much cut your own wood for, for anything, uh, to not own an, your own axe was a, a sign of real poverty. Axes were expensive. All tools were very expensive in that world. We can go to Home Depot and buy an axe for about $15 or so. Um, in, in terms of money and time of making an axe, in those days, we're talking uh, an exorbitant amount of time and money. This is likely a stone axe head, but it could be an iron axe head as well. It's not really clear but they, were, they had a tendency to fall off. And here, this, this has happened. Where does it fall? And so uh, they take a stick, or Elijah takes a stick, throws it in the water, and suddenly, the actually it does say what kind of axe head it is. It's an iron axe head. The iron axe head swims. Now, that, that's the old King James version. The axe head swims. It's always a funny picture in your head to see a little axe head coming swimming up in the water, breaking the surface, and then paddling its way over to Elisha and the company of prophets on the shore. But this is the God that Elisha follows, a God that cares about a bunch of poor people and their only borrowed axe head. So God cares about that. God cares about this axe head that's fallen in the water because he knows there's people connected to it. I think in our Christian world today, it's easy to downplay material possessions. Um, There's good verses in the Bible to back you up on that, to say, um, you know, Jesus said, take no thought for your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what what you will wear. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. Um, A man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses, Jesus said. So our possessions, we've, as Christians, we've always had a tendency and a holy tendency to be careful to get too attached to anything because things are transient. They pass away, they go away, and we our attachments are not to things but to God. And yet, in a story like this, you can see the very practical value of a thing. It's a borrowed axe head. It's the only one they have, and God cares about it. And I think God does care about the things in our lives that we need to function for our lives. Um, food, shelter, clothing, transportation, the kind of stuff that we need to function, God does care about. And so I think we should pray about those kinds of things. We should pray about our car. We should pray about our house. We should pray about our apartment. We should pray about our stuff, Um, knowing that all of that can be taken away from us. But in the meantime, we're going to pray for it. 
And they pray for this axe head, and he comes swimming up through the water. And then so when they're surrounded by this enemy army of Syrians or Arameans, these people from the north that constantly are raiding into Israel, uh, when, when they are surrounded, this word, don't be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Just like they couldn't see the axe head swimming under the water until it gets to the surface. They couldn't see the army of angels that were surrounding the city. The truth is, we can't see what God is doing ever, ever. We can never see that. What God is doing in our lives is so far behind the curtain, so far behind the scenes, that we are probably never going to ever see it until it actually happens. We're never going to see the axe head until it pops up on the surface of the lake. We're not going to see the army of angels until the enemy is blind. They're struck with blindness, the surrounding army. And immediately, the soldiers want to go out, the few that are there, and start cutting throats. I mean, this is practical. When you have an enemy that has been offered to you, they can't, they can't see you. Um, we basically have a, you know, a situation where uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, you, the, the Israelites have the ring, and they can't be seen, and they can do whatever they want. Um, They are given this kind of power. And it is at this moment that Elisha says, no, you don't kill captured people. We see the ethics of really good warfare here. When you capture someone and you take away their weapons, you don't kill them at that point. You let them go. And they feed them and they clothe them. And the Arameans, they never come back. They never attack Israel again. Hard to know why. Um, but it might have been the love that they were shown, the food and the water they were given, um, since they desperately needed it. When we show kindness to our enemies, we are in fact doing something to them, something that we cannot do through revenge or violence. That is the way of the gospel, and it's seen here in the story of Elisha really powerfully. So, if you're afraid, don't be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. That's a good thing to repeat to yourself, a good mantra to say, there are more with us than there are with them. Amen.